but if you want, we can kind of just jump into it and then like talk about all uh, the fun things you kind of do. Uh, yeah, I just do. Do you have my last name uh, ready to be said out loud? <laughs> uh, sorry, that was such a weird way of asking that. I haven't finished my coffee yet. Uh, Reyes. Reyes. Rivka Reyes. Yeah, nailed it. Sorry. I was just, I did a show last night where the host called me Rivka Reyes. And I I swear, I said my last name out loud so many times in front of this lady, mm-hmm. but she still... Rivka Reyes and I was like oh. and I didn't want to like correct her on stage because I felt like that would be dickish my <laughs> little midwest mm-hmm. uh apologetic for my existence uh vibe you know yeah with stand-up comedy especially with the introductions it takes a little while for some of the more like I guess uh harder sounding names or ethnic sounding names for them to kind of like get them worked out right yeah because yeah. even like I've seen like older footage of like uh, Dave Chappelle and it's like Dave Chapel, like oh yeah. I didn't think that was that difficult, but apparently it is. Maybe there's drink involved or something. Who knows? Yeah. No, but other than that, I'm good. All right, let's uh, rock and roll then. <laughs> Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy, the Pete Best of Spinal Tap, Yunnan. When was the last time you saw School of Rock? Yes, I'm talking about the classic Jack Black movie, where he teaches fourth graders iconic, absolutely iconic ACDC riffs. For this My Summer Lair episode, we're turning it up to 11 actually don't turn it up to 11 (laughs) hearing loss is a real issue as you kind of get older so i'm looking out for you but metaphorically we're turning it up to 11 my guest in this rocking extravaganza is rifka reyes who played the spunky bassist katie in the legendary movie school of rock which just hit its 20th anniversary milestone remember this key moment you could you come up here please What was your name? Katie. Katie, what was that thing you were playing today, the big thing? Cello. Okay, this is a bass guitar, and it's the exact same thing, but instead of playing like this, you tip it on the side, cello, you've got a bass. Try it on. Rivka is hosting a 20th anniversary School of Rock screening at the 2023 Inside Out Film Festival. She'll be hanging out with the audience and taking questions. Hopefully, she can bring some of that Jack Black energy to the proceedings. And at the Inside Out Film Festival, she's also screening her short, Gianna. Gina is the cool creative who spends the day superhero battling Gianna, her inner saboteur. If you are creative in any way, you will relate to this short. Links for both screenings can be viewed at the show notes at mysummerlayer.com. Now, as for School of Rock, for the five people who have never seen this charming movie... Jack Black is a down-and-out rock and roller. He's just been fired from his band for going too hard. It happens. It seems the man has gotten him down. It seems the man doesn't want him to achieve his dreams. He subsequently poses as a substitute teacher, a.k.a. Mr. S, at a prestigious prep school. After witnessing the musical talents of the kids in his class, he understands the man can't keep him down forever. 
So he unleashes a rock and roll curriculum for the young kids. And together, he assembled one of the most unusual rock bands you've ever seen. And they exist in a universe where KISS exists. If all goes well, they'll win the upcoming Battle of the Bands and Jack Black can use his winnings to pay his rent. Yo, that's fresh. My conversation with Rivka details her unforgettable experiences on the School of Rock set, which includes a Ouija board, what Halloween is like at Joan Cusack's house, working on her new short Gianna, and, of course, the enduring impact that School of Rock has had on her life and in the lives of fans worldwide. What you're about to hear is a lively ride of laughter, nostalgia, and music. That's the joy of rock and roll. So let's kick out the jams and get this conversation started. Sound, the final frontier. My summer lair is an enterprise, a pop culture voyage with a continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new creators and celebrate established producers, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now here is your host, Sammy Yunan. So I want to welcome you back to Toronto because I know you will be coming back. TIFF obviously was where the premiere for School of Rock was 20 years ago. Uh, And now, of course, this time you're coming back with uh, School of Rock for the Inside Out Film Festival. Um, That's that's quite a creative professional like arc for this movie like that. I can't even believe that it's 20 years old. I know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? I I mean, I I am reminded of it often. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just like dawning on me really that 20 years ago that this movie was coming out and changing not only my life but the lives of millions of people Mm -hmm. you know who saw it and and you know all of us the the cast we're all just so excited to be celebrating 20 years of school of rock you know and i have to say like i watched it again this weekend it still holds up for like a 20 year old movie like it's funny. It's warm. It's the uh, the kids are great in it. Like it holds up. Yeah, not a lot of movies from two thousand three hold up mm-hmm. in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and you mentioned the cast, for example. Like I think uh, a lot of people don't realize, like Mike White is the White Lotus guy uh, on HBO. Yeah, not a lot of people realize Mike White was on Survivor either. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was funny seeing all the. Twitter um, discourse about it because whenever the season finale of White Lotus season two came out and HBO, they have the like little post episode, like documentary bits after and Mike White was interviewed for it. And um, a bunch of people were like, oh, my God, that's Mike from Survivor. And then like (laughs) half of the that was like half of the people were like Mike from Survivor. And the other half were like, Mike White uh, is Mr. Schneebly from School of Rock. (laughs) They were so confused. And then I was just like, this will blow your mind. He wrote School of Rock and started it. So, you know, a well-rounded guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's a strange career. And another one who's had a strange career, but a fun career too, is Joan Cusack as well. Uh, Both are from Chicago. Is there any connection there? Or is that a small world? Yeah, actually. No, it is a really, really weirdly small world. Uh, Like so tiny that on the first day that we were having table reads for School of Rock, 
uh, we didn't know who was playing Ms. Mullins yet. And then when she walked in, I was like, Joan, <laughs> um, she's, she was my neighbor. Uh, actually, like we, we lived like around the corner from each other when I was a kid. So it was, it was literally the, the smallest world happenstance thing. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. Cause I was like, I always knew Joan as like, I didn't really, I didn't really know her as an actor. I really knew her as the like cool lady who lived around the corner who on Halloween gave out Capri Suns for trick-or-treaters. Oh, like, that's a good house to get <laughs> out. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, she, she always dressed as a ghost. It was great. It was like, it was, yeah, she she would wear like a full like white um, like track suit and paint her face all uh, ghostly. And she would just <laughs> sit on her porch and hand out Capri Suns. Sometimes there would be Doritos. Um, but you had to come a little what? earlier for the Doritos. Yeah, yeah, the Doritos went quick. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's a good day. Like, Capri Sun and some Doritos, like, you're set after that. Yeah, honestly. And Howard, did you hold up with, like, Jack Black making all the goofy faces and the little dancing and stuff like that? I'm sure he improved a lot. Like, you seem like you would be able to hold it together as a 10-year-old kid. Like, you weren't cracking up as much, I think. I'm going to bet on you. Uh, but we're like some of the other kids kind of like losing it and like ruining takes. We, I guess. Yeah. So at first it, it took a little while to get used to, but um, I learned a trick. Honestly, my sisters and I used to play this game where we would try to make each other laugh really hard with like water in our mouths. <laughs> and so I had training from all of that to like just hold it back if i was really really like holding in a laugh i had um, a feeling you'd be pretty strong like there's always one I'm pretty SN- good yeah. yeah there's always one snl cast member who could like hold it together you know what i mean and there's always a couple who ruin it for everyone i am pretty good at not breaking i'm not gonna lie but there are times when i do and there were times when we did break because there was something that was just so unexpected and so funny that jack or one of the other players did um, like in the step off scene, like we did not know he was going to kick the desk over props and art department were really upset about it, but, uh, <laughs> they, they let him get away with it. Cause it actually ended up making it into the movie. Um, and that was like our last take. And, you know, Richard was like, okay, go crazy on this one. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and he took it way too far, but we did not know he was going to kick over the desk. We didn't know some of the lines that he had were improvised. Um, and and sometimes he would say stuff that was like just so so funny that like you know it, and sometimes for me it's like all it takes is seeing somebody out of the corner of my eye go like <laughs> start to lose it that makes me lose it mm-hmm. sympathetic laughing um team player yeah team player empath whatever you want to call it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so just for context, because, I mean, you're obviously an older lady or woman now. So, like, which of the school kids were you um, in terms of, like, school rock? Just so people have a context, because I know sometimes it's difficult to picture all the different kids. Yeah, so I played Katie, the uh, cool bassist. Um, I didn't think I was cool. Yes, yes, that. Um, But the the cello player turned bassist in the band, School of Rock. Um, Yeah, that was me. Mm Mm-hmm. I gave myself a last name because the the not all of the characters were given last name. Like we had Freddie Jones and Summer Hathaway and Zach Mooneyham. Um, I gave myself the last name Harrison because I was a big fan of George Harrison, even though he was not the bassist. But I just wanted a cool uh, rock appreciation last name. 
That's really cool. So look at you, like de- at ten years old, developing like uh, doing dramaturgy. I know, <laughs> <laughs> giving your character like a little bit more backstory too, and like I-, I was much more type A as a kid than I am now. I'm, a, I would say, I'm more like type A adjacent um, now. But yeah, I was definitely like a homework kid. I would, you know, research a lot of things. Like every morning, I would watch mtv to watch music videos and like see cool things i could do on stage and i was always watching movies and tv as as a kid as well just to learn how to act basically Mm -hmm. is it easier as a kid in a sense because you can almost tap into that imagination uh like yeah and i think kids minds are more malleable and adaptable Um, I was very, yeah, I was given the feedback from teachers that I was, uh, adaptable as a young kid and I didn't quite know what it meant then, but I think now it's more like I was just willing to, you know, try things out or do research or experiment, you know, um, and, and definitely that has carried into my adulthood, but yeah, I think I think it is easier too for kids because our imaginations are so vast. Um at least mine was my sisters and I grew up playing like basically improv games <laughs> um when we were kids and our parents really did their best to like put us in artistic like settings, like music lessons for me. My sister was taking acting and dance classes. My other sister was more on the athletic side, but still she would, she learned guitar as well. And, you know, she could, we all can sing. And then my baby brother is a musician, a talented, talented musician as well. So yeah, we're a pretty creative family. The weird thing too, though, about being like, I think as a child actor or kid actor is that that lack of, I guess, buffer. I'm not sure what the word is like. Because when you see a kid in a movie, they're a kid. Like, when you see, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, like, a Terminator, you know he's, like, a Terminator only for, like, those scenes. And then when the director calls cut, he's, like, an adult or, like, a dad or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. there's that range that he has where he, he can turn it off and on, I guess. That's the best way to put it. Whereas, like, a kid is always just a kid. It's almost like an extension of your personality. It doesn't seem like it's an act or, like, a character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That that was, I think, also Richard's priority with casting kids was basically crafting these characters based on who we were and vice versa. Um, you know, that we weren't we were all pretty much playing heightened versions of ourselves. I would say the only one that really had to like act was Joey. Like and he he you know joey was not that type of kid at all where his parents were like don't play guitar like obviously because how did he get so good you know (laughs) um and and he was not as like shy as his character was um but yeah so kudos to him because like when i watched it back recently i was like damn like joey was like really good at acting (laughs) like he's killing it um yeah and i told him that because we we recently reconnected and started playing music together again um 20 years later which is crazy and i was just like dude you are like actually such a good actor uh <laughs> he's like i know it's so weird um and that was his first job like i mean it was my first job too but i i didn't have as much um like emotional stakes i think as his character did mm-hmm. um you didn't you know more of a backstory for your character for oh no i did i i i feel like 
Katie was like playing cello because that was like the instrument that she, I guess, like wanted to play. And then uh, was was given the bass and saw it as like challenge accepted. Like, oh, this is actually nothing like the cello, but I'll try it. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, it is kind of very similar to me. And, you know, 20 years later, and for most of the acting work that I have done since School of Rock, I do play characters that skew pretty close to who I am as a person. Um, not to say that I don't have range, but yeah, I mean, I, I tend to prefer to play characters that are closer to me. And if they are further from me, I'm able to kind of tap in on a like soul level of like the parts of me that are overlapping with this character. But I'll always be grateful that, you know, Richard didn't want us to like add on any affectations or anything that were like not authentic to us. I think that makes him a really brilliant director, like letting the actors kind of create the character, um, you know, and and serve the script with parts of their personality rather than trying to throw stuff at them that doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah, like a kid can be a kid. Like you guys all seem like really authentic in the film yeah right and like when especially when jack black comes in and he's like got all this like manic energy and you're like what's happening yeah. here like especially because well a- he's so himself in everything he does right so you know i think it was it was a good gift that we were paired with somebody who is so authentically themselves like jack that way we could also feel the freedom to do that mm-hmm so in a weird way, I know you were 10 or or so when you did the film, but is it almost like high school? Because you guys still get together. You guys did like uh, like a reunion back in 2013. Like it almost feels like a high school kind of vibe, the way you kind of get together and still see each other and like connect. Yeah. I mean, we are we are a little family. We're, you know, as 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 much as we can, we try to get together. You know, Brian Faldudo, who played Billy, uh, lived in LA for like a month, a couple months ago. And, and he was in town and we tried to like go to the gym together. And like, you know, he even had a show um, at the hotel cafe, which is a venue in Los Angeles and got a little band together and asked me to play bass. And I was just like, for you, I would do anything. Like, absolutely. I mean, they, they are like my siblings, to be honest, because we did have this, you know, three, four months of, of filming together and then an additional, like, however long of press and touring and, you know, premiering the movie all over the world where we did just, like, really get to know each other. And I feel like I'll speak for myself only, but at school, I didn't have as close of friends as I had made on set because we were all kind of there for this shared purpose of making this piece of art together um, and there was nobody like really that I grew up with aside from my sisters that I felt that kind of bond with, um, because yeah, I was taking classical guitar lessons by myself. I wasn't on any team sports. I wasn't doing any like theater or dance or anything, um, team or ensemble based really. Um, and like my, my, my school, you know, we did plays every once in a while, but I never did them because I was always too busy with guitar stuff. So, 
Yeah, it was it was like my first time having that experience of being in a band, like you know, mm-hmm. having that group conscience um, to you know kind of hold a group of people together. And ever since then, ever since then, that's like what I've been seeking and what I've enjoyed. Um, and and it's been just such a gift to have like. It's a blessing and a curse because I was spoiled. Like School of Rock was such a good experience for my first time being in a film um, or acting in general, where I've had a couple of other not so savory experiences in film, like with, you know, certain um, other actors or directors. But like with School of Rock, there was really no booger on set. Like everyone was a good person and we all had a great time. Yeah, that must be difficult, too. Like you said, you're going all around the world. You had this really great experience, like, to have success at such an early age. And I mean, I don't know what success is for you at 10, 12 years old, right? Like, when you're you're starting to figure this stuff out. It's almost like a baseball player who hits a home home run the first time he's ever at bat, right, in the major league game. And it's like, can you do that again? Like, it's a weird thing that now to have this kind of weird pressure, isn't it? It put a lot of pressure on me for sure. Like that, that the first thing that I ever auditioned for ended up being a success and ended up being like so successful beyond my wildest dreams that, yeah, all other auditions kind of fell by the wayside. I, I, you know, my mom was like, you're such a natural, you've got this in the bag. And in the back of my mind, I was hearing like, no, you don't like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of when that like inner chatter, like saboteur voice started for me. I mean, I was, I was 10 and then, you know, started auditioning for things right after we finished with school of rock. I got an agent right away and I started auditioning for Disney shows, Nickelodeon shows, other, you know, sitcoms and movies here. And I auditioned for the like nativity story movie to play the Virgin Mary when I was like 13. I was like, what? No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I did. I was like, I don't think I could do that justice yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, you know, went into it with this mindset of like, that was a fluke. Like that was a one-time thing, I think. But obviously, like, no casting director wants to see a kid come in with that energy, mm-hmm. um, thinking, like, already that they don't have it. And, um, you know, it, it just it took me a while to get back into the swing of things with acting. Um, so I, I did take a break from auditioning. Um, I started doing theater and, like, musicals instead when I was in middle school and high school and I really loved that and fell in love with that and it gave me my confidence back again also it blended back in the music which you know not every film or tv show that I auditioned for is like musical so I felt like having the added layer of uh singing and doing choreography like while acting was helpful for me to get back in my confidence and and then in college I ended up be pursuing like a regular acting major so you know I I mean it's been a journey but yeah for a while there was a lot of pressure on me to like book the next big gig Mm -hmm. and whenever I was just placing all of my you know energy on that um, it didn't work out but the second I like remembered oh it's like about the art itself and it's about the craft um, and just like went back to learning more I mean, I I ended up doing much better in that in that way. 
some of these experiences you talked about, uh, you wrote about it in um, Confession of a Obsolete Child Actor, uh, which you published right before the pandemic. Uh, it was I thought it was a really interesting medium essay. Can you kind of just sum up a little bit of what you're talking about? Because you, it's also like the positive and the negative experiences as well that you had following School of Rock. Right. Well, when I got back from set, um, uh, the kids were either really, really nice or really, really mean, and there was really no middle ground. Um, and... I had a lot of pressure coming from specifically my mom around getting the next thing because um, financially, you know, my family wasn't in the best place. And um, to put that on a 10-year-old kid is really hard, especially in those like formative hormonal years where we're starting to like, just like, like people and, and you know, uh, I also got some pretty like heavily unwanted attention from uh, grown men on the internet, like adult men who were saying like really fucked up things to me, uh, like, or about me on the internet, um, you know, saying things like, oh, she's going to grow up to be so hot when she's 18 or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that is like still a problem is that like children in TV and films are, are so, so sex sexualized. Um, I mean, we even saw it happening to Billie Eilish. I mean, there were like countdowns till the day she turned 18, which is just so disgusting. And and to have been on the receiving end of that, I I just didn't know what it meant. I knew it wasn't right. I knew it felt icky and and it just put me in a bad way. And, you know, for for years from when I was like in high school until I turned 24, I I was, you know, pretty heavily drinking and doing drugs and and just acting out in as many ways as I could without like actually killing myself but deep down I just didn't really I wanted to check out I wanted to not be in reality I kind of just wanted to numb out everything and you know the last 5 years I've been sober and and working really hard on on my mental health and my spiritual health and my physical health as well. Way to go. Things have, have, thank you. Things have really fallen into place. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like it's been hard, like <laughs> being sober during a pandemic when you're like literally in your house alone, where you would have been drinking, like <laughs> is, is hard, yeah. but I, I made it through without a drink, without a drug. And, and I, you know, yeah, really grateful that well I have done. community around that. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. it's funny because one of the first, like, um, I guess, experiences the kids had with Mr. S, who was Jack Black, was like uh, he was kind of hungover and then he started ranting uh, to the kids. And he he has this rant about the man. And uh, he says, uh, Miss Mullins, the school principal, who is Joan Cusack, she's the man. And then he goes on to add, and this is a direct quote. So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome because a man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crush your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! <laughs> right? And it was kind of like, yeah. when I was reading your essay, I was like, oh man, Jack Black told you at the beginning, like, sometimes when you try <gasps> to do something fun and pure, there will be people who will come and try and, like, crush it or, like, make it unpure, I guess. Wow, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mr. S's class yeah. had like lessons. No, yeah, he I mean that's the whole thing is that like we were not learning, you know, valuable life lessons. Sure, we were learning, you know, math and science and all of that, but <laughs> the real lessons are yeah. and and you know, 
I feel like a lot of people, I, I could probably guess that everybody has like at least one teacher that really changed their lives in school in those formative years. And, you know, yes, like in the movie, Mr. Schneebly was ours, but I got to give it to like any creative writing teacher I ever had. Like I remember specifically um, in high school, I took a creative writing class and we like were encouraged to write a play based on something that happened in real life and, you know, make it fiction, but also like, you know, bring your story to the play. And I got to write a, a little short play about like some experiences I had had with like abuse. And and it was just really, really valuable like to to be able to learn to bring parts of my personal story to art in a way that was healthy and and cathartic that really really changed my life Mr. Hansen shout out uh <laughs> senior year like at yeah. Park High School um but yeah I mean I have other teachers too like I mean all of my English teachers I I loved I I never had a, a English teacher I didn't like <laughs> and um yeah I I just remember like my sixth grade English teacher was really like into music. So on Friday, she would have um, one kid from the class bring in a song and we would just do like free writing to that song based on like what we were picking up. And that's like a skill that I still use if I'm ever like feeling kind of like writer's block stuck in my head, uh, you know, just getting out a piece of paper and putting on like ambient music to just like kind of scribble to. Mm-hmm. Um to get like everything that's out of my head and kind of standing in my way onto paper. Um, so yeah, these are like really valuable life lessons that I think like all teachers should be teaching, but I get like in a math and science uh, sense, you're not always going to have time to do that because you have to explain quantum theory. <laughs> yeah. Eventually you got to get to something but, yeah. like real, but you do need to know about the man and how he'll crush you. Right. So it's like, Totally. I mean, I don't remember anything I ever learned in any math or science class at all. Like, I think I've learned more on TikTok and YouTube in the last five years than I have (laughs) in any school class I ever took. But all of the creative stuff and spiritual stuff has really stuck with me. You were just talking about like getting the stuff out of your head and onto the paper. How do you navigate either the filter or the fear I guess, to be that open and that vulnerable and to like, even like that essay that I mentioned, Confessions of a Child, Obsolete Child Actor, you're very open about the struggles and the things you were dealing with. Even now in this conversation, you're very open. Like, how do you navigate either the filter or the fear? Because there's always that voice in your head that says, oh, you shouldn't say that or you can't be that. Yeah, I, I do have that voice and it's really loud. It's an inner saboteur. Um, uh, you know, my my other film that's premiering at Inside Out Festival is a short film that I wrote called Gianna um, that I, I wrote and starred in and produced um, with my beautiful partner, Kristen Laffey. And, and you know, it, it's about a girl who has a loud inner saboteur um, so loud that she comes to life and and wreaks havoc in her day. Um, and and it is a artistic uh, and visual manifestation of like the way that my interceptor used to kind of run my life or the way that I used to let that voice run my life. Um, and and really sobriety uh, helped me to not take the advice of the interceptor don't write that. Like, don't publish that. You're not even like a real writer. Um, just because you journal a lot and are 
good at Twitter doesn't mean you're a writer, like all of this, like, you know, just the the chatter that that happens. Um, and that is all just coming from the ego. It's it's none of it is real. I heard a helpful acronym that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Uh, heard that in therapy and really was like, wow, it really does stand for that. And and you know, it also could stand for face everything and recover. Um, so I choose to face everything and recover by putting my writing out there, by writing this short film and other projects that are like based on a true story, um, or based on parts of my life and sharing it because comedy musical kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that like my characters that I play on stage are kind of just, you know, manifestations of my real anxiety and depression um, they're, you know, the songs that I write are, are just me kind of streamlining my anxiety and depression into music that I hope makes people laugh, um, out of, uh, a place of relatability out of a place of, oh my God, I've totally been there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I do it all just to reach other people who are going through the same thing or maybe don't know how to put into words how they feel um, because so many pieces of music and, and art and film and TV and literature have shown me that too, where I go, Oh my God, like I never thought of it that way. Um, that is what I go through. Um, there was a TV show called love on Netflix that it was a Judd Apatow show um, starring um, uh, Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs and, and, just watching her character, I was like, oh my God, I need to not drink anymore. So you never know who like you're going to reach like with your words or your songs or your art. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like School of Rock inspired so many kids to pick up an instrument, inspired so many people to start bands, inspired so many people to really go, oh, wow, like I have been trying to live up to my parents' expectations of me for so many years. And I'd actually like to not do that anymore. Um, just like how School of Rock inspired people, I, I hope to also do the same thing for my mentally ill community and for my, you know, queer community and for, you know, mixed race people who feel like not enough of one thing or too much of the other mm-hmm. um, for fellow tall girls. <laughs> like, I, I mean... Really, uh, if if anyone sees anything I put out there and goes, oh, my God, you made me feel so seen, I'll have done a good job. And the the short that's coming uh, to Inside Out Film Festival, Gianna, like, this was the first time you were doing the writing and producing, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. So how was that experience? And you felt good and you felt like you, you're addicted now and you want to do more of this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the best three days of my life. Um, the the crowdfunding part, I did not like. Um, I don't like asking people for help, uh, which is mm-hmm. something that is a theme in the movie, Gianna. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely, once we had the, the funds secured to make it, I was like, let's just do it now so that we could submit to festivals for 2023. And we made it over three days and then edited it pretty much right away and had it done by end of January of this year. 
And I'm just so excited. Um, uh, Inside Out is the first of three festivals that we'll be screening it at. Um, three plus, I'm sure there will be more. But yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited to be bringing something I'm in back to Toronto. I have a lot of friends in Toronto that I met over like TikTok and uh, the pandemic. Um, so I'm really just excited to meet them in person and to be back in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'll be one night where you do, th- you premiere that short, and then there'll be another night where you do, like, uh, the School of Rock, and I guess you'll be taking questions from the audience. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I'll be screening Gianna on June 1st at 9 at the TIFF Lightbox, and then I think also at the TIFF Lightbox the next day, June 2nd, is the screening of School of Rock. That's great. Well done. Like... What's next for you? Are you going to be working on another short? Or are you just going to like uh, work on more music? I wrote another short. I wrote another short that is um, for me and my my partner, Kristen, to star in. Uh, together, we're going to co-direct it. It's going to be co-produced by us again. We make a really good team, like artistically and in, in like romantic way. Um, so <laughs> we just want to keep working together on whatever we can and... Yeah, that's another short that I've got um, in pre-production right now. And then I've got a script for a feature that I have in the can. Um, Just, you know, looking for uh, the right place and time to do it. Obviously, there's a writer's strike going on, and I am not trying to cross the picket lines and try to sell it to anybody at this moment. But um, I have it ready to go (laughs) for whoever is interested in making it happen. Um, I have a dream cast already picked out in my head. And and again, it's like another, you know, comedy about something very real that happened to me, um, you know, during the pandemic. Uh, I was going through a breakup uh, with a man uh, and coming out as queer. And um, one of my friends who is also sober was going through a divorce and we like kind of bonded together over that. Um, and I have like loads of other scripts that I want to write that I have little outlines for in my phone. (laughs) And I'm just, you know, one day at a time writing as much of it as I can um, and just getting ready. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That seems to be the theme for this conversation was like a lot of it is just community. The first community found a school of rock now working on these short films. You have like, you found the right kind of creative people that you can kind of be yourself and like share. I really have. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to plug was that um, I uh, got to assistant direct and star in the upcoming 20 year anniversary revival of the room by Tommy Wiseau. Um, We shot it all in one day. We, We shot the entire film, the room in one day on a soundstage. It was great um, for acting for a cause. And it stars Bob Odenkirk and myself and Arturo Castro and uh, Mike Flanagan and uh, Kate Siegel and a bunch of other people, Cameron Caskey, Brando Crawford, and Greg Sestero, who was in the original film, um, not reprising his role as Mark, but as a different character. But yeah, I mean, it was that was another situation. It was just like a community of actors and creatives coming together for one day to like make this ridiculous thing mm-hmm. and just had so much fun. 
Um, I made Baba Odenkirk break on camera, which (laughs) I was so proud of myself. I was like, I can't, I didn't even, I I can't believe I just, that just happened. (laughs) There's actual footage of him like cracking up. Uh, So that was like one of the proudest moments of my entire life. Uh, that, Um, That goes in the eulogy. That goes in the eulogy for sure. Yeah. I hope that Brando Crawford, my um, collaborator in music and in film uh, for acting for a cause, uh, does say that when when I go. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I how, mean, how was it's got a lot of directing? cool stuff coming up. Assistant directing was fun. I, I am, like I said, I'm type A adjacent. Um, so directing, I don't know if I could do by myself, although I love it when actors who are on a TV show direct an episode. I think that like when, um, Emmy Rossum was directing episodes of Shameless and now, uh, uh, like when Lena Dunham was directing episodes of Girls and stuff, I was like, I think that would be cool to like be on a lasting TV show and then direct an episode. Yeah. Um, we've seen a number of Star Trek actors who directed Star Trek episodes. Yeah, totally. Are you a big Trekkie? I I do watch. Yeah, I like Next Gen and Voyager. Those are two my those are my two jams. What about you? Um, I've only seen Picard because I had a friend on it, but I <laughs> Are you coming um, over now to the dark side? Or are you like <laughs> <laughs> I maybe a little bit. Yeah. I also I auditioned for one of the new iterations of a Star Trek show. So I did watch like a lot of it just to kind of get the, you know, the tone and mm. the genre my body because it's so not like my thing i i've i don't think i've ever seen a star wars movie in its entirety except for the one the first one that uh kylo ren was in because i i'm a big adam driver fan so i was like i have to see star wars now now i have a good reason but i can't even remember the name of it at this point um (laughs) but i would think like science fiction would be appealing to you because it's like it is yeah because you can project the future and like kind of see how where things are going right now you know what i mean like you can kind of make a commentary about the present by writing about the future, if that makes sense. Yeah, I do like sci-fi. I like Black Mirror a lot, which I guess is like both horror and sci-fi. Yeah. Um, psychological thriller. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I skew more on the horror uh and comedy uh genre, but I mean, I love when a horror film has like sci-fi influences, like Megan, the like uh, mm-hmm. AI doll movie, like that. I yeah. really love. Um, yeah, and I just watched too. this. Oh, she's so creepy! Yeah. I just watched this show on Peacock called Mrs. Davis. The AI, have you yeah. heard about yeah, this? Yeah. It's yes, with it's like nun, an AI yeah. with the nun, and the nun has to find and destroy the Holy Grail. It's a whole thing. Um, but I binge watched that with my girlfriend and it, it's just so good. I mean, we were, we were screaming and hollering at how good this show was. <laughs> um, and that had some sci-fi, very like fantasy, uh, and also some horror elements to it. It's a pretty gory show, mm-hmm. um, but we, we loved it. As you're working on all these like writing projects, do you have an idea or something in the horror realm that you want to explore something scary? Yeah, Gianna is is my first kind of segue into um, horror. It is billed as a comedy at Inside Out, but it is also very much a, a thriller. Um, I last year got to be in this feature called Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls that premiered at Sundance. Yeah. And we're doing a theatrical release this fall. 
Yeah, it was like, that was a horror film as well. But again, it was like very funny too. It was like (laughs) Scooby-Doo, like Mm -hmm. that level of horror. Um, But still, like, I mean, yeah, it was, it was very much a horror film with gore, with zombies and, or not zombies, we called them ghouls. Um, And I, I love horror. I I do have a couple of um, horror films uh, outlines in my, in my phone right now just waiting to be written. Um, so yeah, I mean, horror is, is again, my favorite genre, um, high stakes, campy, love it. It's like a musical, but you know, instead of like people breaking into song, they break into murder or (laughs) (laughs) paranormal behavior. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would really like to do some some stuff with like paranormal or like metaphysical stuff um, in a horror movie. Um, I grew up watching things like Practical Magic and The Craft, and I love witches. So um, I did actually. It's so funny when I was on set for School of Rock, bring a Ouija board into set, and we would like play with it. And Miranda Cosgrove specifically and I loved the Ouija board, and we would use it to like channel. Um, <laughs> And then I wrote this like short book, this like short story when I was in sixth grade called Ouija. And it was about two girls based on myself and Miranda Cosgrove uh, who fell into a Ouija board and were trying to escape from the boogeyman. Yeah, it was was pretty (laughs) pretty intense. That might be a twisted, slightly twisted sequel to School of Rock, but I think it might be worth exploring. You know, honestly, I feel like Ouija would stand on its own as a, a pretty good, like, horror film or like a, you know, like a family-friendly fantasy world mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't remember, like, too, too, too much of the detail of the story, but I do remember there were, like, several quests that had to be gone on and s- in sense. order to get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in order to get out of the Ouija board, you had to yeah. go on a couple quests, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but, yeah um might revisit that one yeah you never know did you guys end up summoning anything on the school of rock set yeah we did we took the ouija board into a room um that was like empty and dark and we like you know we're asking if there were any spirits in the room and there was this like little boy ghost um that was talking to us through the board and then, you know, we would use it also to figure out who everyone had a crush on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that was it accurate though, or was the the ghost Ouija? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there it was pretty intense because I had a crush on somebody and then they had a crush on me too, but I, we, we were both too like kind of shy and proud to like say anything about it but then the Ouija board really like brought it out um <laughs> uh yeah I won't say who <laughs> I cannot and will not say who all right but yeah that might have to be saved for the I guess the 30th anniversary DVD commentary or something maybe who knows or you know maybe we might find out on the 20th you oh, never know okay that's some good plug-in yeah so i'll post the link for all the details both the screening for the school of rock and your new short way to go gianna is at the uh, inside out film festival and i'll post the link for the show notes thank you so much for like hanging out like we covered quite a bit from uh the struggles of a child actor to school of rock to like horror sci-fi to ouija boards like yeah that's a good afternoon i think 
We really were all over the place and I love it. It's chaotic and it's 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 exactly the vibe that I like on a podcast. <laughs> okay. And it's just kind of like life too, right? It never goes the way that you think it's going to go. So. Yeah, I think podcast is a great medium. Like you literally just to, to talk to people. It's like all I like to do. Mm-hmm. I really do think that I want to bring my podcast back. I used to host one called Where Are We Now? where I would chat with fellow former child stars. Um, and I would, I, I think if I were to bring it back, I would want it to be on a network and I would open it up to where are we now is so broad, right? Like it could be people that were like one hit wonder musicians or people that, yeah, like had like 15 minutes of fame and then just catching up with them today. You know, people who are like really big on YouTube in the early aughts of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to interview the guy who wrote the, I don't know if you remember this creator. I can't remember his name right now, but I think it's Liam, maybe. I, I don't know. I'll have to look. Um, but he had that song, Oh My God, Shoes, that was like viral in 2005. Mm, sing a little bit. Oh My God. It's like, it's just him going, shoes. Oh my oh. God, shoes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, shoes. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to see where he's at now. Mm-hmm. I want to see what he's up to. Um, but where are we now? Like, it was just such a fun time. I got so busy, like, with other projects that I kind of had to stop doing it. Editing a podcast, I'm sure you know, is, like, really just time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I also say, um, and you know a lot. So I was trying to take all of that out, and that took a long time to... <laughs> practice doing so yeah but I, I who knows maybe maybe with a good production team where are we now can make a resurgence in uh in q3 and four who knows yeah that's a good plug but i mean you could also do the seasons as well too that's another thing that's kind of popular now with like podcasts right yes so- well the first the first season of where are we now lives on on spotify apple podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen to me uh, chatting with some of my fellow former School of Rock friends and some other folks. I had Andrea Lewis from Degrassi on. Uh, Canadian shout out. Yes, I, I loved Degrassi. Degrassi was like my, oh God, it was like, I, I was addicted to that show. Um, and then I started behaving like some of those kids and I had to stop watching. Um, <laughs> too close yeah. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I um I loved Manny from Degrassi because she was Filipino and I was like, I see you. Yeah. Um as it's a fellow because like a lot of the American content is like uh Disney kind of shows, Disney kids, iCarly, Saved by the Bell. It was a lot more It was the first gritty yeah. like show that I watched that that featured people my age, and I was just like, What is this? you know? And now we have Euphoria, which is like Degrassi on on ketamine, I guess, or <laughs> Molly or Fentanyl. Um, but yeah, like I I mean Euphoria now is is a good show that I like to watch, but yeah, I, I mean, the the genre of, like, after-school special meets, like, gritty teen drama is very... I like that, too. I would love to write for a show along the lines of, like, Riverdale or, or something oh, yeah. like Degrassi um, one day, too. I think I would have a good time uh, getting into that <laughs> juicy teen drama <laughs> um, just because I know it so well. But yeah, I've I've had, you know, guests from Hannah Montana, from Cheaper by the Dozen, from Sunny with a Chance, and a bunch of other Disney and Nickelodeon shows, Guy Carly. Um, so you can check that out. Um, and there's also a really nice tribute to my my uh, School of Rock brother, Kevin Clark, on there. Um, we were supposed to record an episode, uh, like, a couple weeks after he passed, but, you know, he this passed. This was uh, so. 2021. 
Yeah, and twenty-one. Yeah, it's almost two years to the day. Um, May twenty-fifth is is the anniversary of Kevin's passing. But Sorry. yeah, I mean, oh, it's it's. I, I just I feel guilty sometimes because like you know he reached out being like, when are we going to do the podcast? I was like, oh my god, I'm so busy right now. Like, can we do like two weeks? And then mm. like the day after I got that text, he passed away. Oh, so I was man. like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. he stopped kind of, he's he's an example of what you're talking about where I think he stopped for a while doing a lot of acting. Like he didn't seem to do a lot of stuff following School of Rock. He never acted after School of Rock. He auditioned for a bunch of stuff. He I mean was the best actor out of all of us and he like really I mean watching it again I've been like so like wow like floored by Kevin's acting in School of Rock. Him and Joey really like I was like just so floored <laughs> just watching them uh drop in so well. But um, yeah, he more ended up on the music side. He was in bands for the rest of his life. And he became a teacher at an actual school of rock in Illinois, um, in, in the suburbs of Chicago, he became where Mr. he S. and I are from. He literally did. I mean, yeah. And some of the kids from his band that he coached um, played at his memorial and it was heartbreaking, but they they were so good and and just really, yeah, it's really tragic, but you know, his memory is always a blessing. Um, and, and he, you know, he wrote the ending of School of Rock. So I, you know, I help, I have him help me write the endings of all my projects because he really knows how to make a, mm-hmm. a solid stick the landing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to stick this landing and uh, <laughs> so, nice. Thank you. Not bad, right? Every now and then. So thank you, Rivka, so much for like hanging out and uh, just like I said, talking about all these kind of things. Uh, way to go. So anytime you see any of the uh, School of Rock uh, classmates, I guess, or castmates, uh, just give them a high five and tell them that they did good. And like I said, <laughs> for a 20-year movie, it holds up. It's still a lot of fun. So that's definitely something to be proud of. Thank you so much for having me. Yo, that was Rivka Reyes, who you first met as Katie in the School of Rock. And I'm Sammy, host of My Summer Layer. A couple of times, Rivka mentioned School of Rock's director, Richard Linklater. He's behind the camera for Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. Two excellent movies. If you haven't seen them, that's your pop culture homework. However, just as this conversation was sparked by School of Rock's 20th anniversary, head on over to Sean Siriani's Creative Imbalance podcast. Sean just hosted a conversation with Sean Andrews for the 30th anniversary of Days Confused. All right, all right, all right. That terrible impression was not all right. They probably should strike that from the record. Sean played Kevin who ordered all the kegs of beer to his house. Do you remember that scene? Sean's episodes are always lots of fun. And because these are both Richard Linklater uh, anniversaries, it makes for a fresh bookend. But that's surreal, isn't it? Like, Days and Confused is 30 years old. School of Rock is 20 years old. Our relationship with time is just surreal now. <laughs> I often feel like a time traveler. I'm just out of place and out of time. I am, however, on social media. If you want to keep this conversation going, I know lots of people have School of Rock feelings, experiences, memories. They're all at my summer layer. Twitter, Facebook, and IG. So reach out to me if you have some of these kind of school rock feelings and emotions.
Honestly, listening to this conversation, you're so going to watch School of Rock after this, aren't you? Thank you for sticking to the end before you turn this off and go watch the movie. And thank you for listening to me in a Netflix world. School of Rock, yo.